Good morning, everybody. How you doing? We good? All right, before we uh, jump into uh, the message, I do want to take just a, a few minutes to brag on our people. Uh, we got some pictures that can uh, be scrolling through, but last week we got the chance to go uh, down to Gray Fork Church and partner with those folks. There's an operation called um, Sleep in Heavenly Peace, and essentially they build beds for kiddos in need in our community. And so we went down there. We had a, an amazing turnout. It was awesome to go down there. It was extremely efficient. They had wood cut for us. We got to do lots of sanding and putting beds together and all that good stuff. And so it was just an amazing time to really almost do exactly what Clay just mentioned. Sometimes it's kind of hard to find direction, but we can, when you can look into an area and you can see God moving and partner with him in that, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And this was a super like practical, like tangible thing that we could do as far as building a bed, and you know that it's going to be delivered. And I know a lot of people uh, wanted to join us that morning, but they couldn't do so. And, and so they actually told me that if, if we'd be interested, if anyone would be interested in helping like deliver these beds at any point in time, that we could uh, jump in with them and do that as well. So if that's something you're interested in, you, we can talk about that later. But uh, let's just give yourselves a good hand clap this morning. Yeah, anytime we do something uh, and we ask and call on you guys, you always are, are eager to show up and, uh, and really serve and pour out, so we appreciate you for doing that. Um, before we jump into the message, I just want to take time and pray, so let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we, we love you and we come before you lifting up your holy name first and foremost this morning, God. We are so thankful for the Spirit that we've already felt this morning, God, your presence in this place. We're thankful for worship, and I'm so thankful for our church and for this community of people that you've put together for such a time as this. And God, we just come to you. I ask you that you would speak through me this morning. I can't do anything apart from you, God. Just hide me behind your cross and behind your goodness, God, and speak to your people what you would have for them this morning. We give you this entire service. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that you would just go with them. Help them to open up their hearts and minds this morning. Help us to be receptive to your word. And God, we just give you praise for it. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk about a, a topic that most of you are probably familiar with in some way or fashion. And I really believe that every single person is made to worship. That we're made to serve a God of some sort. Now, a lot of times when we put words in there like worship and serve and gods, we often think only in like religious terms. But I can assure you that every single person, every single one of us, you are worshiping some God. Now, what that, the name of that God is, that's, that's the question mark, but we're all worshiping something. There's, there's something that sits upon the throne of our heart. It's just in our nature to do so. Um, and today, especially in our culture, we have so many different forms. There's so many different things that are really just after the attention of your heart. It's not, when we talk about idols and when we talk about gods, we're not just talking about false uh, images that are set up to worship, but it could be a number of different things. Uh, when it comes to materialism, things like Money, jobs, cars, sports, clothes, houses, hobbies, music, movies, our relationships, even with our spouse or our kids. Any of those things can become an idol. Any of those things can become a god. And what's interesting is when it comes to a topic like this, when we're talking about idolatry, 
and we're talking about idols. It's something that it's just in our nature. And John Calvin even said this. I have a quote there. He said, man's nature is a perpetual factory of idols. That the mind begets an idol and the hand gives birth to it. And in Jeremiah 17, 9 there, we see the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so right from the get-go, this is something we don't even have to try to do. Our heart and our mind is just kind of turning and working. We want to place something upon the throne of our heart. And so the title of my message this morning is The Battle for Your Heart. Now I have to share a couple just quick stories that kind of really gave attention to me the first time in my life where I noticed this was a problem in terms of us putting things before God. My wife and I got the chance to go to Africa in 2013, about 10 years ago, and we got to see some amazing things. We saw God do wonders, and there's a couple things that that really stand out. One of those things is we were in a camp uh, one day, and this is the bush of Africa, like in the middle of nowhere, like mud huts in a tent kind of thing. And there was a woman came through, and she had a baby. And she was on her way to try to find some type of doctor. Now, I don't know where that doctor was. I don't know how far they were traveling. But when we walked up to the baby, the baby's fever was so high that you could get this far away from the baby and feel the heat from the baby. It was, it was incredibly sad. So we prayed. Obviously, we prayed for the baby. We prayed for God to heal. And, and the woman went on her way. And, and a little time later, she came back, and the baby was just fine. The fever had broke. And so I saw that, and then I saw God move in this, this awesome way. And my first thought was really my battle with Crohn's and how that's been such like a, a process. And how in America, we have so many options to put before God. Even when it comes to sickness, I've been on like six different medicines with Crohn's. I've had multiple doctors. I've had surgeons. I've done all the things. And, that, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm thankful for those things. But my mind went to this place of, man, over there, if, if, if God didn't show up for that baby, who, who knows what would have happened? There was no other options. And for us, we have so many. Another example was, I actually have a picture. Uh, this is my beautiful wife and this little girl here. Um, this little girl was in the same camp, and she, she lived next door. Uh, it was a mud hut about the size of this drum cage. No exaggeration. And... She was, she, from what they told us, she couldn't hear, she was deaf, and she couldn't speak. Um, she was, I mean, she would, at one point in time, we were eating some, like, chips and stuff we had brought, and she was, like, hitting the dirt, like, to pick up crumbs. Uh, and Brenda went, uh, her and, and Jim, a fellow there, they, they went and got some clothes for her one day and gave her, like, a shirt and a dress, and you could just see her out there dancing away in that. And, and I experienced that, and it was like a, a, a piece of clothing, a sweater, skirt, and you could see just the joy that she felt. And, and, and again, my mind went to this place. We have so much here. And even this week, God continued to confirm it. I was with my dad in the hospital, and I thank you guys so much, by the way, for praying for him. He actually got to come home Friday. Praise God for that. And he's he's going to be on dialysis for a little bit, but just keep praying for him. But anyway, he was heavily medicated he had just come back from dialysis and we were talking he was like and at this point he's still you know he's pretty drugged up but he it's just in the clearest form he was like you know son we're we're honestly just like machines 
and he was talking about the, the blood and the dialysis kind of, you know, going through and keeping him alive. He said, you know, sometimes we don't even give God an option to work. And man, that sit with me. And again, dialysis and the surgeons, it, it's, he'd probably be dead right now if it weren't for those things. So I'm not knocking medicines. I'm not knocking those things. But my question be, continually goes back to this place of what are we putting before God? What are the things that we put first before Him? And sometimes, unfortunately, we have to hit rock bottom and come to the end of everything before we choose Him and put Him in His rightful place. There's another quote I want to share here from Kyle Eidelman. He wrote this book called God's at War, and he argues, and he says this, Idolatry isn't just one of many sins. Rather, it's the one great sin that all other sins come from. Idolatry isn't one issue it's the issue. And so oftentimes, uh, Clay and I will counsel somebody or talk to somebody, and, and they, they begin talking, and they begin mentioning a, a variety of different things, and you name it. Uh, and a lot of times what we do is we experience the fruits of what we're going through. So in your life, you know, you may be struggling, you may be hurt, you may be stressed. Uh, maybe you've experienced... Um, you know, relationship problems, lust, spending, medicating, drugs, alcohol, you name it. A lot of times we, we identify those as the problem. But really, they're just the fruit of the tree. And, and, and the roots go much deeper. The roots go back to something in our lives that is really causing that issue. And, and the reason conversations like this are a little bit tricky is because, honestly, it hurts for us to go deep and to dive into these issues. But I think it's extremely important, and I think the Lord really wants to do something in your life this morning. I want to read from uh, Exodus. We're going to be the main scripture we're going to be in is Exodus 32, um, but I'm also going to be reading from Exodus 20 this morning as well. And the Lord kind of confirms what I, I just said in this. He says, this is verses 1 through 6, Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself to carve image, any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Once again, I use this example, and I'm, like, every time I talk, I use this, this imagery, but it just fits so good that so I'm going to use it again. In our, li <laughs> our life is like a dresser. <laughs> Matt's heard this like 17 times. If, if this is your first time, this is good. This is a good one. <laughs> but you've probably heard it before, but I'm going to say it again. A lot of times our life is like a dresser, right? We've got different drawers in our dresser. We've got socks. We've got underwear. We've got T-shirts. We've got pajamas, yada, yada, yada. Our life is the same way. We've got our jobs. We've got our careers. We've got our hobbies. We've got our wife or spouse or kids. And we have a drawer for, for God, right? God wants to be the dresser. Huh? That's good. That's good. Like everything in our life should fit into God. And even going back to like my examples, like talking about medicine and, and, and money and careers and all those things, like these aren't necessarily bad things. They're even commendable, right? The problem becomes when those things 
are an end in and of themselves. When we begin to place those things first and foremost, and it's the driving force of our life, that's when the problem arises. And the Lord knows this. That's why, you know, when we think about jealousy, God's not talking about the same type of jealousies that you and I think of. Like, He's creator of all creation. He knows how things ought to work. He knows how money and blessings ought to work. He knows how relationships ought to work. And so if we're not putting him first and foremost, it's impossible for us to properly live in a way and experience those things in a healthy way. Amen? Amen. Now, this is one of the more practical sermons I think that I've ever preached. So if, if you have a notepad, I encourage you, get a notepad and get a pen. I encourage you to write some of this stuff down. If not, take some pictures. This, this is some, some, some really good stuff, okay? I want to talk about first how to identify idols. Now, one morning a few weeks ago, I think it was Richard was talking on the prayer meeting about how our passion, you know, if you talk to anybody for any length of time, you can, you can discover relatively quickly what they're passionate about, right? And passion often reveals sometimes what's on the throne of our heart, right? Like you talk to Dan right now, He's going to be talking to you about them tailor-mates. You know what I'm saying? You talk to me for any length of time, we're probably going to talk about a Harley Davidson right now, currently in this season. Right? <laughs> right? Again, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. That's, you know, there's nothing wrong with hobbies, and that, that's all good. But in all seriousness, a lot of times, if, if you think about what you're passionate about, like out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So that's what we will often, you know, show. And so I want to pose you a couple questions. And I'm just going to, we're going to pop these on the screen in just a second. I'm not going to say very much. I'm going to give you about, you know, five, six seconds to, to wrestle with this, take a picture. Even if you don't do it right now, go home this week and wrestle through some of these questions. Number one, what consumes your thoughts? What is it that you think about most? Number two, what do you spend your time, your energy, and your resources on? Where's your money going? Where's your energy going, your time? Number three, what disappoints you? Right, there's like little everyday disappointments, don't get me wrong, but like at, at the end of the day, like what are some big disappointments? Next, what do you complain about the most? If you're having a hard time, ask your spouse. <laughs> don't say anything, Brennan. <laughs> What do you complain about the most? Where do you make sacrifices? Again, kind of going back to time and energy, your sacrifices of time, sacrifices of your money. What worries you? What really bothers you?
Next, what is your sanctuary? And what I mean by that is, is essentially where do you go when things go wrong? What do you turn to? And lastly, what are your dreams? What are your passions? What are the things that, that you're really chasing after in life? These are some heavy questions, right? And I encourage you to really take time and answer some of them because if you, I promise, here's the thing about those questions. If you go home and spend some time in your quiet place and you ask these questions, you will get answers. <laughs> and sometimes they're not answers that we necessarily want. But if we're open to God allowing Him to work in our lives and reveal some things to us, I think we can experience some freedom from these things. Now I want to dive into the story from Exodus. This is probably a very familiar story. You may have even heard it preached before. You may have heard different takes on it. But we're going to uh, look at Exodus 32 verses 1 through 8. It says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to, the, to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now this is an interesting story. I don't know if you're, you're like me, but when I read this and other stories in Scripture, it's really hard for me not to judge them. Right? Because it's like these people experience some crazy things. They experience Moses come and they experience the plagues. They experience the parting of the Red Sea and they walk through on dry ground. And they experience this glorious real God do a mighty work in their life. But then so quickly when Moses leaves to go spend time with God on the mountain, they start to get restless and they want to make a God for themselves. And so they fashion this golden calf now in this time in, in Egypt they were they were used to the worship of these false gods and so when I when I read that it's like how in the world did they they get there and I think to myself if I was them I would have not done that. I would have not been worshiping a golden calf you know what I'm saying like if I was walking with Jesus in his day and saw the things he would do and there'd be no doubt I'd believe him right like, we, we, we say those things. But the reality is, and what I want to ask you is, is are we really that much different when it comes down to it? Because the truth is, we 
replace a real God every single day for gods of our own creation. We really do. Even take like the American dream, for example. This is going to sting, and I really want to be careful how I present this. But if you think about it, we go through life, we go through high school, we go to college, we get in debt, we start a job. Oftentimes it's a job that we hate, but we're stuck to that job because it's giving us money. And then to try to find some type of happiness, we buy toys, we buy things, and we get in more debt, and we're stuck and enslaved to that job because we have to pay for those things. But really, we don't have the time to enjoy them or time to even have dinner with our families of the evening. And we're entrapped and we're enslaved in this system. And it's, it's, it's a God. It's the American dream God. And again, it's not that any of those things are... Every one of you, I would imagine, are probably in that story somehow. I am. My wife is. We're all in that. We have jobs. We're working towards you know, retirement. We're, you know, we, we need money. I get that. Houses. We, we have to have those. I get that. I understand. But it's so sad because oftentimes really what controls us at the end of the day are those things versus God. God could come in right now in flesh and tell you to do something and some of us are so tied to our securities and the materials of this world that we would not follow Him. And that hurts, and that stings, and I, and I realize that. So anything can become an idol. It really can. And so these are questions. This is a topic that we re- need to revisit often because it's so easy for us to get caught up in a way of life. Before you know it, we can be doing good. We can be really seeking God and having Him first. And then we woke up one morning and are like, man, I've not had dinner with my family this week. We've not prayed together. I've not read and I don't know how long. And we get stuck in that. So it's good to, for us to revisit that. The next um, kind of section I want to move into is, is when we look at this particular set of scriptures, I think there's a lot of things that, that pop out to us and can kind of show us a parallel of why those people, the Israelites, chose a false god and and also why we choose a false god as well. And I'm going to go through um, relatively quickly uh, a, a bunch of different things, but I have essentially here before you why we choose idols. And then also for those things, I have tried to provide a, a, a remedy of some sort for each of those whys. Does that make sense to you guys? So again, if you're taking notes, it'd be, be some good stuff to, to do. The first reason we choose idols is because of impatience. And the reality is, is that we're not a people of patience. Uh, we live in a very fast-paced world. We can get what we want, essentially when we want it. I can order anything from around the world and it can be at my doorstep in a matter of days. Same with food. I could go in the next 10 minutes and have an egg McMuffin and large Coke. And, you know, and then it, but if I sit in the line more than a few minutes, like we get impatient, you know what I'm talking about? So we're not a, real, we're not a patient people at all. And the same, the Moses, 
had been gone for an extended period of time, and the people grew impatient and anxious about his return. They felt lost without a visible leader to guide them. They wanted reassurance. There's this song that says, um, I, I can't even remember the name of it, but it says, God, if you're not done working, then I'm not done waiting. And, and we have to begin to readjust the way we think. And a lot of these remedies, let me say this, they seem, even when I was writing them down and thinking about them and praying into them, they seem almost cliche, like it's the right thing, like trust in God's timing. Well, yeah, that's really easy to say. But in all seriousness, like we have to begin to change the way we think about life. And sometimes we have to, my battle with Crohn's, going back to that, like I have to get to a place and trust that God's timing is best. I don't understand. I don't have all the answers. But God's timing is best. And I need to sit and wait and be, a pa- and be patient. I need to control. I heard this uh, several years ago, and it really has changed the way I looked at a lot of things. But someone said to me, control what you can, and then leave the rest to God. There's things I can control in my life. There's disciplines that I can do. There's things that I, can, I have power over. But then there's things that are just out of my hand, and I have to trust God with that. So leverage times of waiting and really use that time to grow and to trust in the Lord. Amen? Number two is a desire for a tangible God. Again, the Israelites were accustomed to Egyptian culture and idol worship where gods were often represented by physical idols. And so in the absence of Moses, they wanted to fashion for themselves a visible manifestation of God. They wanted something real that they could touch. And again, we are the exact same way. We desire something tangible. Every six weeks, I go and get an infusion for Crohn's. And even though I hate that, there's something nice about like watching medicine go in and like believing that it's helping do something. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's nice to have a tangible because with this thing with, with faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And a lot of times when we're praying into God doing a work or we're waiting in a season, like there's nothing like tangible that we can feel. So we find comfort in a a variety of different tangible things that we can feel, that we can touch, we can hold on to. And so we deeply desire those things too. Now for remedies, really spiritual disciplines I think is a big thing in this. Because if you are not operating in spiritual disciplines, when I'm not operating in spiritual disciplines, I feel disconnected from the Lord. But when I am praying regularly, when I'm reading regularly, when I'm engaging with other believers in small groups and in worship and I'm doing those things, there's a my relationship with the Lord feels very real. I'm, I'm hearing from Him. I'm, I'm sensing nudges. I feel the presence of Him. And so that tangible feeling, it, it, it's there. But you're not going to experience that without spiritual disciplines in your life. Number three is peer pressure and conformity. These people succumb to peer pressure, including Aaron, a leader. 
he gave in to what the people wanted. Now, the re- <laughs> I was thinking about this, and the reality is we are such a people of conformity. We conform and fit the mold so easily. Most of us in here, the reason that we're wearing the clothes we're wearing is because of a TikTok trend or a TikTok influencer. You know what I'm saying? Like we go, we go down to the National uh, Wild Turkey Federation thing every year, and if you go down there, everyone between like the ages of 15 and 22 look like they come off an assembly line. It's like they got the jeans with the nice design on the pocket with a square-toed cowboy boots and like a hunting influencer t-shirt with a Carhartt vest. Like probably a mullet and those like hats that are like raised up just a little bit in the back that says like cowpoke. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You guys are like, why are you being so mean and pointing at people? You know why? Because I'm the same way. You know why I'm wearing these jeans? A TikTok influencer. I was scrolling one day, and he's like standing behind his, beside his Harley, and he looks real cool, and he's like, if you've not had the Wrangler 13 MWZs, you're missing out. So I was like, you know what? Order. I can be much cooler if I have those jeans on. And I'm like a little bit chubby anyway, so it's hard for me to find good pants, so I'm like trying different things. Anyway, that's what they are. That was a good, that was a good gamble. Great pants. <laughs> it's, it's only funny because it's true. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know? <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, we really do. We see this in so many different areas of life. Like, not getting political with it at all, but like even like during the COVID season with politics, with everything, you see how society and like the media, they throw out information and we just swallow it. We just take it in. And when I was in high school talking to kids about, you know, beliefs and what they thought, they were just regurgitating some, again, some TikTok information that they had found. There's nothing deep-rooted or concrete. And that's a really big problem because if we're, if we're shallow and we're superficial and we don't really know what we believe, we'll be swayed and taken any direction. So it's really important that you, you are founded on a solid foundation. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 16, 13 says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. And so I would encourage you, especially as, as Christians, you know, it's so important that we, again, going back to spiritual disciplines, really spending time with the Lord, asking difficult questions, seeking mentorship, being around a group of people who can help keep you solid, you know, especially like when you're first in your faith, I really feel like that's important. You know, sometimes we think we can, you know, I've heard the argument like, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, I mean, maybe that's true, but I just know for me, if it weren't for church and the people, I don't know that I would be a Christian. I mean, I hope I would. I hope I would be strong enough individually to, to do that, but having solid people around me has helped me so much. And so it's, it, it's important that we engage in that number four is loss of faith. Now, if you read this the story, I think this when you're reading uh, uh, scriptures and you're you're thinking about people like the Israelites, I think it's cool to think about and put yourself in their shoes, because although they had experienced a lot of wonderful things and they saw miraculous things that the Lord 
was doing. They also were, was in slavery, and they had been hurt, and they had been in a season where they were waiting on God, and they wasn't sure if He was going to show up. And in those seasons in my life, when things are really hard, when I'm going through pain, I'm going through questions and suffering, it's really hard to lose faith. Even if I have seen God do amazing things in my life, it's really easy for me to, when I experience pressure once again, to, to, to revert back to my old ways and to, to go into seasons of, of disbelief and struggling with faith. So it's important that we rekindle continuously, like a fire, rekindle our faith. I like to reflect on what God's done in my life and where He's brought me from in my life. The person that I used to be when I was a teenager versus the person I am now is like looking at two completely different people. So I think about that. I think about how He's moved in different family members and in my wife's life and, and things like that. And then you can read Scripture too and you can go back and you can look at these stories and you can see how God did things at different times throughout history with different people. And then also, like, listening to testimonies. Like, we do the testimony videos. Like, those are such a blessing to me because you're getting to hear from someone about how God moved in their life. Or you see what they were going through and how God showed up and, and did something in their life. And, and to me, that builds faith. And so it's, those are some, some, again, some quick practical things that you can do if you really struggle with faith and struggle with kind of believing God. Lastly, here in why we choose idols is immediate gratification. The Israelites sought immediate gratification and comfort. The worship of the calf offered something quick, something real, something tangible. It was a quick solution to really a deeper problem. And the same is true for us, right? We are in a Instant gratification type of world. It really goes back to the, the point of patience, too. It's the same kind of thing. Would much rather have something quick, like put the Band-Aid on the wound, versus diving into what the real issues are. Some of us would rather do that. We would rather take medicine for the cough versus going to the doctor to find out where the cough's coming from. Right? And so it's important that we begin to practice self-control. And we get, begin to practice patience. That's the thing with patience is you, you're not just going to wake up morning and, one morning and be patient. You have to like practice it. And you have to learn to trust. Um, you have to enjoy the process and be present. Oftentimes in my life, I look back and especially now that my kids are getting a little bit older, it's like, man, life moves so quickly. And I'm always like thinking about the next thing like the next season or the next like milestone that I sometimes forget to just be present. And so slowing down a little bit, enjoying that process, even though it might be painful. And then also really developing a, a, an eternal perspective and laying up our treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be also. And so switching the way we think to an eternal perspective. 
Now I want to move into, again, quickly, I have nine things that I want to talk about real fast of, of, of why idols are negative, why they are sinful, Even because we, we talked about that. We, some of them are not inherently sinful. They're, it's not a bad thing, but they can become a negative thing for us. And so the first is spiritual distraction. Idols distract us from our relationship with God. Instead of seeking Him first, we choose to go to the things. We go to the stuff to find comfort in. Rather than experiencing spiritual growth or intimacy with the Lord, we put something in God's place, and so we're distracted. So it's really important that you prioritize your relationship with God. Uh, I think it's like the second step of next steps. One of the things we talk about is really developing like a routine. Like it's, it's important that you have like a sacred, non-negotiable time each day for reading, for prayer, removing your phone out of the picture for a little bit and just kind of staying focused and getting with God and having Him first and foremost. Starting your day with that. And your day is always structured differently when that's there. If it's not there, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Things don't feel right. Things feel off. We're distracted. Number two, spiritual stagnation. And I think if, if, if I were to, if you said pick one thing that most Christians are going through right now, I would argue that spiritual stagnation is, is one of the big ones. Because we... In America or in this, this culture where we come to church, we say the prayer, we get saved, and then we just sit there. And we just come to church on Sundays, go through the motion, and we're not really growing. It's like we don't, you know, we, we, we pray some, and we kind of read some, but, you know, we, we just feel like we're not moving, like we're stuck, right? And so we become stagnated. We stop seeking God's guidance and wisdom. We hinder our own personal development. And then really what you see here too, the perfect example is, is the Israelites in the desert. And God was again bringing them out of slavery into the promised land. And I don't remember what the, what the, the numbers are, but I'd heard that basically if they would st if it stayed the course, it wouldn't have taken all that long to get where they were going to the promised land. I should have looked that detail up, but I, you know, I just thought of that. What is it? 11 days, 11 days journey to the promised land. It took them years because they just, I mean, they kept wandering, right? That blows my mind. So renewing our commitment to spiritual growth, again, seeking guidance, seeking men mentorship, um, and then also realizing you have a part to play. Like Clay preached the, the, the message, of, you know, and we've talked about like the anointed congregation. Like this, it's not just you coming, receiving a message, and then going home and living life throughout the week and just repeat. Like you have a part to play. There's something, God wants to use your life right where you're at, in the season you're at. Whatever the job you're in, is, what, the friends you're around. God wants to use you in a powerful way. And even going back to what we, when we first talked about, and Clay mentioned it, like if you're kind of stuck there, like look to, look to what, open your eyes and pray into what God is doing. Look for where you are needed and begin to serve and begin to partner with Him in those things. It may not be this fancy thing like, you know, that gets a lot of credit or attention, but it's important. 
Number three, shallow values. Idols can promote shallow values and priorities. When we begin to prioritize things like wealth, um, things like appearance, our uh, power, the blessings we have in life, when we begin to prioritize those things, we neglect the things that really matter. And so it's important that we align our values with biblical values. I think walking with the Holy Spirit each and every day is really big in this. And it sounds so simple, but if you would just start your day and just pray into, Lord, Holy Spirit, I want you to guide me. When I go into this grocery store, when I go into work, whatever it is I'm doing, I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. Learn to begin to trust the nudges. And all of a sudden, I believe that you'll begin to see and experience these fruits of the Spirit. When you're walking with the Holy Spirit, you experience the fruits of that. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like those are core, solid things that you can walk in each and every single day. And so, again, making sure our values align with biblical values. Number four, a false sense of security. We go to these idols in our life. We think that our jobs, our materials, our relationships, our retirement, our money in the bank, our toys, whatever it is, we think that those things are going to provide some type of security. And it seems like they always let us down. It doesn't matter what I get in my life material-wise. Like it never is enough. It never does provide what I'm ultimately looking for nothing ever feels us satisfied rather it just kind of makes us even more frustrated because we keep searching we keep working we keep doing these things and it feels like nothing ever works so learning how to place our trust in god is is huge we have to trust and believe that ultimately he is the source of our security Everything else that we get here in life, the blessings that He gives us, those are wonderful and they're great. But at the end of the day, we're here for a very short period of time. Life is but a vapor. And again, we have to put our security in eternal things, in God. And then honestly, this is tough, but for you to experience real security and real freedom, and honestly... The main remedy, a lot of times, is not, is not going to, you're not going to feel the freedom from idolatry if you're not willing to make some difficult changes in your life. Like sometimes you have to step out in faith. Sometimes it may be you giving up your third job or your overtime hours or whatever it is, so that you can be home and be present with your family a little more. Maybe it's giving up a certain hobby for a season or a certain thing. I don't know. Only you can wrestle with this. But the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. If we ever want to experience freedom and really put God in His rightful place in our lives, sometimes it's going to require us making drastic lifestyle changes. And only you can answer that and, 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 and you can pray into that and ask the Lord to reveal things in your life where you need to, to work, maybe some things you need to change. And He'll reveal those things to you and He'll help you do them.
and He'll provide along the way. Amen? You guys still with me? You guys still with me? Good. Broken relationships. Many of us, you know, sometimes we, we put everything above our relationships. First and foremost, our relationship with God, but also maybe with our spouse or with our kids. There's other things that we prioritize, we put first, and it leads to brokenness. So learning to evaluate where our time is, where our energy is going, where our priorities are, making sacrifices, going to people that we need to forgive or we need to make amends with, even, is important. Um, you know, our relationships, even my relationship with my wife and my kids, this is so important because I can't properly, I can't be the dad that I need to be, I can't be the husband that I need to be, unless I first filter it through a relationship with God first. Because again, he, he knows and he understands how things ought to operate. And so it's, it's crucial that he's first in those things so my relationships and my life can operate how they're meant to operate. Number six is anxiety and stress. When we become consumed by desires and the things that we have, honestly, we begin to fear that we'll lose them or we can't attain them. And it takes a toll on us. And ultimately, whatever is on the throne of our heart is, is, is what we put our hope in. And I, I want to get a little bit vulnerable for just a minute with you guys, if that's okay. Uh, earlier this week, my wife and I were coming home from dinner. It was her birthday, actually. Um, and she looked over and she said, you know, I don't know what it is, but I just feel a lot of weight. I feel extremely stressed and anxious, and it's like something is sitting on my shoulders, and I don't, I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint what the feeling is. And so we went home, and the kids went to bed, and we, we took, it was this simple. We sit down on the couch, we held hands, and I prayed, and I said, God, let your light shine in the darkest areas of our life, and I pray that you would just reveal whatever it is that's causing this anxiety and stress. And we sit there for about 30 seconds or whatever. And I asked her, I said, do you, do you feel anything? Did anything kind of come up? And she was like, you know, I think the fact that we live in an apartment right now and that we don't have a house, I think that, um, she said, I, I'm, I don't want our kids to feel like they're missing out in life. And that's tough. I'm 33 years old and we live in a two-bedroom apartment with two kids. And as a man, on the other side of that, I am not the breadwinner in our home. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I've not, in my mind, it's like I, I have failed. I, I've not made enough money to buy the house that's big enough or, or whatever have you to make my, fit, my, make my kids feel like they have this place and they're not missing out like everybody else. And I, was rest, I, I, I wrestle with that often. And so we were wrestling with that. Now, do those things really matter? Does it matter if my kids graduate high school and they never leave the apartment we're in? 
I mean, it may, it may be me making excuses. And it's not that I don't want to better myself. It's not that I don't want to move in that direction and, you know, whatever. They have their own room one day. But the material's not where it's at. If my kids can grow up in a home where they feel love and that God is at the center of our family and, and sure, the kitchen might not be that big, but we had dinner at the table. And, and they experience those things, like that's what matters. And so you have to bring those things into perspective. And like we were, talk, out, we were talking last night, and I was like, do you care if I use that example tomorrow? And she's like, no, that's fine. She's like, actually, I've not, I've not felt that weight anymore. And so that's, that's a remedy. You know, if you're feeling that, and you can't even pinpoint it, just invite God to, to bring things to the surface. Okay, moving on. Number seven, loss of contentment. Idolatry breeds discontentment, and in this world that we live in, like we know with social media and everything else, it's nothing but comparison, 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 comparison. It's looking at what everybody else has, and it's wanting. It's want, 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 want. It's never being satisfied with what we have. And so it's really important that we practice gratitude. I think that's important really with anxiety and stress and like loss of a contentment. I heard that, uh, there was a quote I heard one time that said, anxiety and uh, gratitude cannot exist in the mind at the same time. So like practicing gratitude regularly, being thankful, because I mean, we, you know, even going back to like, we're so blessed. We have a roof over our head. We have working vehicles. We've got a Harley now. <laughs> no, we're, but in all seriousness, we're so blessed. We really are. We have so much to be grateful for. Number eight, loss of purpose. Like the Israelites, we kind of wander sometimes. We don't feel like we have any real purpose in life. Even when we're working our jobs, and we can, we can, without God at the center, without God again on the throne of our heart, it's impossible for us to feel any real purpose in our life. When we go and we live for momentary pleasures and we pursue these different idols in our life, it leaves us lacking purpose so self-reflect and evaluate your life maybe set some goals for yourself again look at where god is working and partner with him there serve where you're needed and then also align your passions with how they can how you can bring god into that and really work like for example project hope is an example of that for me personally like i've always loved cameras and like making that stuff and even when I was in high school and college like making the little videos yada 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 and when I come into this position here at the church that one one of my prayers was Lord how can I use this in like a a good way that's going to uplift you and advance your kingdom and all that good stuff and the testimony things came to me and I thought it and it's been so powerful for me and I think a lots of people like filming people sharing their testimonies it's a wonderful thing so whatever you're passionate about how can you use that legitimately and partner with God and allow Him to use that in your life. So just some things to think about. Lastly is isolation from God. And I started the service with this this morning. We come in to church oftentimes, and especially when we have, have placed another God in our lives apart from Jesus. Like we feel isolated from God. We feel disconnected from God. 
And it's a terrible place to be in. But I want to encourage you this morning that you can turn back to God. You can repent. You can renew your commitment. And it does take repentance, though. And that's not an easy thing sometimes. Repentance is going one way and then turning and going a different way. Again, one more time, I want to read it to you. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now there were consequences, consequences and judgment to follow from what these people chose to do in worshiping the golden calf. But later on in Exodus, I want to read a few more verses, if you guys are cool with that, if you stick with me, to close with. It says, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels such have never been done in all the earth, nor any nation, and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you're going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. When we read these scriptures, I see so many different things. First and foremost, I see the mercy and the grace and the long-suffering of God and how He's patient with me. I also see that I have a choice. I can choose God and, and, and choose Him, and He will bless even generations after me in my family, or I can continue to choose the things of this world and forget about God, and then also more consequences can follow. I feel like Moses, when I pray, like, Lord, we're a stiff-necked people. Like, help us, God. And then the, the, the two things that, that stood out to me most in this set of Scripture is God saying, Behold, I am. And I know I've presented you with a whole lot of stuff this morning. A lot of different things, a lot of different remedies, a lot of different, you know, negatives. And, but I want you to be encouraged that ultimately it is through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is through God that you are able to overcome the idols in your life. Every single day, your heart is going to battle. There's going to be things that come against you, that pull at you in different directions. And the important thing is that we regularly revisit and reflect upon these things and constantly put God back in His rightful place. If we want to live a life that is filled with real meaning and real purpose and real joy, 
we have to put God back on the throne of our lives and trust in His leadership. The battle belongs to the Lord this morning. And yes, even that scripture, you shall destroy the altars. It is up to us to partner with God. And there are things that we must destroy in our life. But I'm confident that we can do it with the power of God. Amen. I want to close with a couple of scriptures. And our prayer, my prayer for us this morning is, comes from Psalm 51.10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then I love this promise from Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So at this time, I want you to bow your heads with me as we close. And I just pray that you would begin to reflect and pray and offer your prayers up to, to God this morning and kind of reflect and evaluate where you are with God, your relationship with God. Maybe even as I've been talking, the Holy Spirit is already starting to put a finger on some things in your life that you've been putting before Him. So just take some time, once again this morning, you, you offer your prayers up to the Lord. And I want to encourage you this morning, no matter where you are, no matter where you're at, once again, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. And these altars are open this morning. I think it's a really good thing to bring our bodies into alignment with kneeling before God. There's something powerful in coming to the altar and kneeling before the Lord and praying. And it's an outward sign, really, of an inward surrender. It's an outward sign that we're putting God back on the throne of our hearts. So as we begin to worship this morning, as we begin to close out, this service, I pray that you would just not get in a rush, that you would just take your time, and I pray that you would come to these altars, praise your seat, whatever you need to do. But let's just go to the Lord this morning and ask for His help and His guidance. And I pray that we can all put God on the altar of our hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your goodness, and I thank You for Your mercy. I thank You for difficult yet encouraging words like this. God, I thank You that that you're a God who cares so much about us. And I'm thankful that you're a jealous God because I know that if I were to leave it up to my own strength, that I would succumb to the pressure, that I would put things before you. And you know, God, that, that when you're first in our lives, things operate how they're meant to operate. And so, God, I pray that you would give us the strength to, one, recognize and acknowledge the idols that we have in our life, and I pray that you would give us the strength to dethrone those things. I just come against every attack from the enemy this morning, everything holding us back this morning. God, we give you ourselves. We thank you for your goodness, and we praise you. We love you. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, let's pray. Let's worship this morning one last time.
I love you guys.